There might be less football being there might be less football being played, but Bet Online has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season. From score totals, player performance props to where the next five coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. Hey y'all, it's your boy Lloyd Spencer. With the new year comes a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Believe B-L-E-A-V to get started. It's not just football, Bet Online's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best of the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite game. Bet Online, where the game starts. You tell them the noise makes it sound. Popcorn Right from the start, because I'm ready <laughs> to clear up the confusion. Okay? The man's name is Lafonso Ellis. It is not Alfonso. It's not spelled with an F. It is spelled with a PH. Okay? I know how we like to change stuff around in certain communities. But the man's name is Lafonso Ellis. He's joining our program today. What's going on, Mr. Ellis? It's good to have you here today. Good, good morning, fellas. Thanks for having me on. How y'all doing? I'm just saying, man, I know you done lived a whole life, man. Uh-huh. As Alfonso. <laughs> hey, my name? Alfonso, Alonzo, Lorenzo, Alfonso. <laughs> and as a young man you with Alfonso, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, just just cuts, it, cuts it through. Easy. <laughs> man, okay, so hopefully we can spread this show, make it go viral. <laughs> after 51 years, you know, clear up the whole thing. <laughs> Thank you. All right. I'm here to, I'm, the public service that we offer here, believe me. <laughs> well, my mom could have given me a simple name that's never confused. No, man, it, listen, Char- come Charlie on now. The name you would. Char- Charlie Ellis would have been great. Charlie. <laughs> Just rolls off the tongue, man. <laughs> no confusion. Charlie. Uh, no. Sometimes that can get get chopped up as well and put it into one syllable. Charlie. Charlie. <laughs> hey. It all it happens. Uncle <laughs> Jack up a name in a heartbeat. That's yes. what Well, thank you, man. The pride of East St. Louis is joining us today. I'm excited about that. Uh, man, listen, 
how are you enjoying this college game day experience, man? Uh, it, it's it's great. I get a chance to work with uh, two dudes who are uh, they just brilliant guys, man. In terms of their thought process and their way of being able to convey their thought process to to the uh, viewing audience, and those guys are passionate about our sport, uh, our coaches, the players, uh, mega themes like NIL that's going on in our sport, and. Uh, it, it's 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 an honor and a privilege to have uh, been on the show with them for now my third year. All right, listen, man, I got to ask this question before we get into anything deep because I know we're going to get into ACC and all that stuff, and I, I get it. But I do have to ask this question. Is Jay Billis' rap game as tight as it appears to be on the Internet? <laughs> <laughs> now, I've not heard him rap necessarily. <laughs> I see the same thing that you see. I'm uh, just saying, it's it's, out there. Whether it's this Twitter space or whether it's Instagram, I see the same thing that you see. So I'm assuming that it is as tight. But now that you've mentioned that, uh, we're scheduled to have college game day at Arizona this weekend. I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see if he can spit a few bars. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. For us, for us, and for the culture. Yeah. 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 He owe Jeezy some royalties. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's what's up, man. Well, listen, man, what do you what do you think about us overall? Before we get into specifics, what do you think about the ACC this year? Uh, they've struggled. Uh, you know, this is a proud. Uh, conference that has uh, obviously won numerous national championships and have produced many pros. Uh, and, and this year, with the specter of them only getting four to five teams in the NCAA tournament, that's like mind-boggling, obviously, with 15 teams in the league. And uh, many, many teams have, have just underperformed. I mean, we see North Carolina last night lose to a pit team at home, <laughs> right? And so... Uh, but then you've seen some other teams that, uh, like a Virginia Tech, who I thought would be probably the third best team in the league coming coming in this year, uh, where they start out 0-3, 0-4 in conference play, just surprising. Yeah. And uh, But they've rallied, rallied obviously, as of late. Uh, but, but to consider that the SEC is likely going to get seven, uh, Big 12 will get seven, uh, Let's see. The Big Ten will get seven to eight teams, and only have the the ACC represented by four or five is alarming, to say the least. Yeah, it's, it's a bizarre world here here in because here in Louisville we cover Louisville mm -hmm. and Kentucky, mm -hmm. and it's weird to see the SEC being so so much better than the ACC this year. Yeah, they you know okay they they they've invested they they. And I can't remember if it was the outgoing commissioner, Mike Slive, or the new commissioner, but they were looking around and looking at the SEC from a football standpoint and have been dominant, obviously. I mean, <laughs> the, the whole uh, bowl series typically has two uh, SEC teams in it, but they looked around, they were really disappointed with uh, the basketball side of it. And so they had an initiative where they were going to go out and get uh, legendary coaches, which they've done. Uh, and, and those coaches were going to go out and, and get great players. And there's a, and I can't remember it specifically, but we were looking at the number of top 50 ESPN, top 50 ESPN, top 100 players over the last five years. Uh, the SEC has had far more than the ACC over wow. that span. And, and again, that's just mind boggling if you think <laughs> about it. And even now, as we're talking this morning, when we think of the ACC, how many pros we have in the ACC? Probably two, and they're right. both playing for Duke. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's unheard of. <laughs> do, do you think that is, a, is is because we the ACC has kind of tried to rely too much on just simple reputation and not kind of evolving with the time or evolving with the the the, the, the shift in culture and access and those type of things? It's hard to know because I've been trying to pin it down, but and obviously I don't have access to the uh, talk to, to the brain trust of the ACC. But I, so I can only go on what I've seen. We just talked about a plan that SEC has had put in place and they've implemented, it and obviously it's been fruitful for them with seven to eight teams going to the tournament this year. The 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 one aspect of it that I think they've been really smart about, and I used this analogy the other day. 
Uh, I don't know how old everyone is. I know how old Charlie is, obviously. We're old, man. But, but, We're but, old. But, we all but, old. I mean, think about what, the, what what Blockbuster meant to us. Blockbusters was like the joint. I mean, the place where you right. can go get any movie, anytime you, you wanted it, right? <laughs> and, and yet, all of a sudden, there's this concept of streaming movies that was kind of out in space. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, they decide not to invest resources in the streaming aspect of it because mm -hmm. we're blockbuster. Now all of a sudden, uh, they're, they're not even a player in that space anymore. Right. And so my, my concern is, especially with things like name, image, and likeness, part of that plan that I was talking about earlier with uh, the SEC, that was part of their plan, is, is, is they wanted to have a robust NIL um, program in place and uh i'm my i don't think that's the case for the acc and so they're behind can they catch up yeah they, i mean they're, they're they're pretty rich uh conference also but they are definitely behind the eight ball right now with regard to nil i i look at this uh this season and you're right it's it's shocking to see that there's only four teams but you got to be happy that one of those four teams is your is your fighting iris Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Just as you look at them, man, what 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 are you seeing with them? Yeah, what's what's good? What's yeah, got off to a slow start, uh, three and four. Uh Paul Atkinson, uh, our six eight big man who transferred in from Yale. Took him a while to kind of get acclimated. Um and and all of a sudden, dude's been balling. I, I didn't I didn't see what he scored last night, but over a four game winning over a four game period, dude's averaging like twenty points and twelve rebounds, right? So yeah. he's found his space. Until last night, the defense had been much better. I think over a five to six game period, no team had scored over seventy points on Notre Dame, and we're not known for defense. We're known for shooting, known for uh, taking care of the basketball, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, and and getting old and staying old. But all of a sudden, it's just clicked. Uh, for the guys, and, and you can see it, it's funny because when you watch them, you can get the two days before the Kentucky game. Uh, when I would see them, that their confidence was gone. I mean, you kind of see guys sagging their head all of a sudden, they beat Kentucky, we lose the next game, but then we're going a, a long streak. And you can just watch the confidence, man. When, when they're out there on the floor, they're warming up before the tip there you can see that they have their swagger back and i think much of that is because everyone knows what their roles are everyone's confident uh with what they're trying to do on the defensive end and and as mike brace teams have always done <laughs> you can flat out shoot the rock and uh, uh blake wesley is that that dude is is he's a freshman here from south bend six four long arms got a little bounce to him but but what Notre Dame needed was one guy who could make a play for himself or his teammates off the bounce. And uh, man, he's given he's he's given us that. And now you know, dude, he's he's getting the lane. Guys are coming. He's spraying that thing, and we're just knocking down three balls. And like I said, Paul Atkinson has been dominant over the last uh, over the last month. Well, it was interesting last night because they got they had, they needed everybody to contribute, and everybody yeah. the seven that they typically run out there, they did their thing and. Uh, surprisingly, Atkinson was was kind of took a backseat to Goodwin last night. Goodwin yeah. kind of took the lead on the game last night. But man, what a, they they listen? They look like they are poised. Yeah, to make uh, uh, some interesting noise in the in the uh, uh, in the tournament in both mm -hmm. the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament. Yeah, how important you think that is, is that is that for the overall of what we've been talking about? Because one thing that does draw recruits is winning. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, and, and it's interesting because Notre Dame's in a, in a, in a different space, probably in a space like Wake Forest, the academic uh, requirements are so high. So it narrows the pool of athletes that they can go after and bring in. And I think that's been the genius of Mike Bray for 22 years is he does a great job of going out and identifying those under the radar kind of guys, you know, come on now. Who would have thought that Pat Connaughton is going to play 10, 12 years in the league, right? And already has a world national champ uh, has a world championship ring with the Milwaukee Bucks, right? Right. So right. he goes and finds those guys and uh, brings them into the system. Some of them have an opportunity to contribute right away. Others is kind of a one, two year incubation period, and then they tend to blow up. Uh, so, so he's in a little bit different space with the guys that he can bring in or go get. Uh, but to your point. It definitely raises your profile when you get into the NCAA tournament. And because of the, especially this year, now that the fans are going to be fully back, 
those are that 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 arena is going to be packed and uh kids at home uh are watching guys getting interviewed and watching guys blow up on the big stage and of course that raises the profile of your program so the more sometimes it's not how many teams you get into the ncaa tournament it's how well your teams perform and so you have notre dame and duke if those guys can perform really well in the NCAA tournament, it'll at least help the ACC going forward. Because, like I said, I, I still sit here amazed at the fact that only four or five teams from the from the um, the tradition rich ACC is getting in the NCAA tournament this year. Could Mike Bray emerge as maybe the face of the ACC now with Coach K leaving? Because he is because Coach Bray is a character. <laughs> he's one of my favorite characters in college basketball mm-hmm. could he emerges maybe the face of the acc with roy and k both stepping down after this year yeah i'd say the most likely candidate is is, is virginia and tony bennett but to your point you know mike's now been in it uh for 22 years and he just has an easy way about him it, it's it's difficult to dislike mike and i'm not and i'm, I'm separating my uh, uh, alumni status uh, <laughs> from this process and just looking at it for Lepazo, a you, don't, yeah. you don't have to do that on this show. This, okay, cool. I'll Charlie, take it Charlie Ward <laughs> does not <laughs> separate his alumni status <laughs> ever on this show. Uh, You're fine. But, but he's just, uh, he, 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 he understands, like he, if he got in our, our business, he would absolutely kill it mm-hmm. because yeah. uh, he, he just has a way, he, he has that kind of, he has a way to be able to connect with people in a, in a, in a very real way. And he's got a little juice that goes along with it. And that little DC little swag that he has. Right. And uh, he's a great interview. And and what's interesting about it is sometimes you get people who are, who are one way on air, but then when you meet them in person, they're, they're completely opposite. Mike's that way all the time. So he, he's just <laughs> very consistent. And so to your point, um, Assuming that the last three years were kind of a blip on the radar for Notre Dame not getting to the NCAA tournament, I could see Tony Bennett and seeing uh, a guy like Mike Bray uh, kind of becoming the the new faces, if you will. But at the same time, I look at Florida State, right? And I still consider Florida State to be a new blood. And I think this is a blip on the radar year for them, too, because as we go back and we kind of assess what's kind of going wrong, Florida State, so the top – few of the top six teams coming into the season uh, that I was anticipating being one of the top six teams, you know, Florida state's young. Right. And so it was going to take them a little while to be able to adjust. You look at uh, Virginia tech. uh, Yes. I expected them to get off to the races quickly, but they're undersized. So a team with some size could pound them on the glass. They're great shooting team, Uh, North Carolina. So many new pieces going to take them a little while, a new head coach implementing a new style. So I think, uh, for those traditional those traditional powers in the ACC who have struggled, they, they, there's some real reasons why uh, they they've struggled, and so I, I think th- this year is going to be a blip on the radar screen for all of those programs that I just named. Stay that for just a second, because that's an interesting statement you just made. North Carolina with a new style, he mm-hmm. bucked everything that is traditional North Carolina and went a completely different route. Mm-hmm. Risky move, you like it? What, what's your thoughts on that? I understand it because he wanted to go to a uh, more NBA style, you know, four out, one in uh, at times. And Brady Manick is playing the five spot, five out, which, you know, could open up driving lanes to be able to drive and kick, you know, guys getting to the rim, kicking it out for threes. Um, and and, and I th- with so many new guys coming in. I, I think the staple of North Carolina, when you think of them, when you played against North Carolina, you knew they were going to crush you on the boards. They they were always probably top three, top four uh, in the country in offensive rebounding percentage. You knew they were going to speed that speed the basketball up the floor to put so much pressure on your transition defense. And uh, lastly, they were going to pound that thing inside to their bigs. And so again, that, that to 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 depart from seemingly all three of those it was going to be a challenge. Uh, but I think much of that has been would have been easier if Dawson Garcia wouldn't have gotten hurt. Right. right. And so because right. now you have new Brady Manic, He's having to shoulder the responsibilities of knocking down shots, playing inside. Uh, but with and Dawson Garcia, the transfer from Marquette can do a lot of the same things. Not not at, not to the level of shooter that Brady Manic was. But uh, he would have given them a lot more versatility, both on the offense and the defensive end, because he could switch on a small guy. 
in short clock situations and keep that guard in front and make him and make him have to take a contested shot. So again, there's been these very real issues that have kept these teams from being as effective as we thought they would have been from the beginning. On a lighter note, can we get my man Baycott to stop being a world class flopper? <laughs> why you say that? Why you say it? I, I think you know why he said that. <laughs> <laughs> and a world class flop against Louisville, and then, and then the one against was a Clemson where he literally just jumped and fell on the floor. <laughs> and you're seven foot, three hundred and fifty pounds. You're not falling like that. He said, Coach, he said, Coach, I'm just trying to get a charge. One thing we got to give Big Fella credit for, that Big Fella gets some rebounds now. He does. Oh, yeah. That yeah. Big Fella he's gets some rebounds. Player. And I'm telling you right, he is a heck of a player, but he's got to yeah. stop that flopping stuff. He's too big. <laughs> that's, that's, like, that's like a quarterback running to the sideline between every play. Oh, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Why are, why are you doing that? <laughs> As you may or may not know, LaFonso, Mr. Ward has a tremendous uh, affinity for Kenny Pickett, but not so much for the Pittsburgh offense. <laughs> Fonz, Fonz, you watch football, right? A little bit, a little bit. Did you ever watch the Pittsburgh uh, Panthers offense this year? Mm-mm. Uh, you probably remember when you were in high school mm-hmm. and – you know, because we were, we're a little older. And in high school, they didn't have the hand signals or the, 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 a lot of the offensive uh, communication uh, that they have today. So the quarterback had to run to the sideline to get the play every, every time. <laughs> well, that's the same situation <laughs> Pittsburgh was doing in 20. 20- 21. Not the office coordinators moved on to I forgot where he's going, but we're going to see if they're if he's grown a little bit with the system. <laughs> you Fons, this is my favorite part of the show every week. Yeah. We're not even in football, and I'll still just toss it up to him, and Charlie would dunk it every time. <laughs> <laughs> what happens when you have a Heisman Trophy winner on your show? Yeah, and he can't he can't handle it. It just <laughs> allow him to handle it. It just. They, they 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 just didn't want to completely depart again uh, away from old school. <laughs> they wanted to keep just a little bit. You said that's too much, huh, Charlie. <laughs> they didn't want to modernize. <laughs> no, no, there's there's no iPads apparently. <laughs> oh my goodness! What do you think about Duke? You you mentioned Duke earlier. What do you think about him? I I think they're I think it's a national championship caliber team. Um, mm. My 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 main issue with Duke because uh, defensively they get up and pressure they can turn you over at any time and they obviously they explosive in transition. My my big deal is what are they going to do in end of game situations? So under two, under four, uh, Paulo Bancaro's got to have the ball in his hands. I mean, at 6'10", 255 pounds, and maybe it's because I'm old school. And I've said it over and over again. There's not a dude in America that can guard that dude one-on-one, right? Right. And so, to me, put him on that block. So, he, he loves that left block. Uh, he, can, he can shoot the turnaround jump shot. Oftentimes, he'll turn the face. He can back you down. And you got to make a decision. If you're going to guard him one-on-one, it's buckets or it's foul and one. <laughs> uh, if you decide to double him. He's a more than willing passer, and he, he threw some passes yesterday that I didn't even know he had in his in his arsenal. Where he got in the lane, the secondary defender comes over, and you know this is a pass I would expect Charlie Ward to be able to make, but not a dude who's six ten, two fifty five. He wrapped that bad boy around the defense, the 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 secondary defender, wrapped that thing around his body, put it right on the hands for a dunk. Uh, Paolo Bancaro is a bad dude, and so. You know, I, A.J. Griffin, you know, so those are the two pros that we talked about that mm-hmm. in the ACC. A.J. Griffin is shooting nearly 50% uh, from the three-point line. 
you know, big, broad shoulders, can get you off the dribble. He's got a pull-up game. Uh, I, I just really like uh, the versatility that this Duke team has. Uh, if you if you had if I have a second criticism of them is can they shoot a decent percentage in the NCAA tournament to be from the three point line to be able to win it? Um, so, so I forget who the team was. Oh, I was asking we we're at Auburn last year with Auburn at that time being the number one team in the country. Did they have a legit chance to win the national title? And I said no, and everybody was shocked by that. And and I only mentioned it because they're shooting just above twenty nine, just below thirty percent from the three point line in SEC play. The last seven national champions have shot on average of thirty nine percent from three. With the last three national title teams shooting forty percent or better. So in order to win the championships, you got to be able to shoot it. <laughs> so so don't put Auburn in my final four. My bracket got it. I just was. I'm glad you cleared that up for me. Howard. Just saying. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I, I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes. Is, is there any, do you think any other four ACC teams or, or the other three other than Duke? I'm sure you feel pretty strongly about your, your Irish, but do you think they have a legit chance to win the title? I, I, I don't think I don't think so because I think when you get into, especially if you get into the second weekend, you got to have multiple guys, like at least two guys who can create off the bounce. Because as you guys know, and Charlie, you, you would know better than I, is the the pace in the tournament tends to slow down a bit. And, and you got to have a team that can execute well in the half court. And so uh, yeah, I mentioned Blake Wesley. Blake Wesley is the only one who can create his shot uh, off the bounce. Princess Hub. Uh, he, he he's okay in that area, but that's not really his gifting. He's better in ball screens, getting a little separation, kind of make making passes, float game, and occasionally we'll pull it up. But uh, I, I if 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 Virginia Tech can get in, they they shoot it well enough to be able to advance. But I, I don't see a Final Four team outside of Duke uh, in the ACC right now, including my Irish. Uh, I'll be remiss if I didn't ask you because I'm in the middle of it. So it's, so I just want a different perspective from the outside looking in, what you see when you look at this Louisville program, all the difficulties they've gone through over the past, it seems like it's about a decade at this point. Sure. <laughs> so it feels that way. Out, from the outside looking in, how do you all see it? Because we see it as like it's something every Friday you have to look at, you have to look at your, your emails because they're coming to Friday news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. From the outside looking in, how do you all see it? I see, I see it as a proud program that has kind of lost its moorings. Uh, you know, they bring in Chris Mack to kind of be the savior of the program. And as we talked about it off air, it's challenging to come into a situation where you have the specter of the NCAA coming down on you in terms of san- sanction and who knows what those sanctions would be. You know, would they be uh, a, a two-year can't compete in the postseason? Uh, would it be a reduction in scholarships available? But, uh, you know, I, I, I still maintain that the COVID year, Louisville's 20 and seven. They get to the NCAA tournament. We're not having the same conversation right now. There, there's, there, there would be a positive uh, kind of upslope, if you will, that Louisville would be on, even in light of the fact we still don't know what the NCAA is going to, how they're going to come down and how they're going to deal with the program going forward. So it's really been unfortunate being a Midwestern boy, uh, you know, Louisville, Kentucky, all those places are within, from my hometown, they're within no more than four to five hour drive. I like to see those programs doing well and to see Louisville in the shape that it is right now is just, uh, it's unacceptable in my mind. I'm impressed that you know how to say Louisville right. I, mean, I, I was too. I was like, it's just me or this, that was like, wow, he really knows Louisville. That was, I'm sorry, Charlie. Go ahead. You. No, I mean, I mean, he is a commentator, and that's what he does for a living. So hopefully, he knows how to yeah, say. I've talked to commentators who couldn't say Louisville. We have been Louisville. It's it's a nightmare. But go ahead. I'm I'm curious to know. Get your take on um, how. You see the um, the new landscape of college sports in general, and how uh, they are firing coaches um, in the middle of the year, mm-hmm. giving up on coaches, not mm-hmm. giving them very long to 
I uh, like Mike Bray, you know, 22 years. Uh, Leonard Hamilton, been there forever. You know, mm-hmm. those coaches are a dying breed. Uh, what are your thoughts on those programs that keep changing uh, coaches after two or three years? Uh, I don't I don't like that trend, Charlie. And uh, maybe because I'm an old fogey in, the, in this case. So, so we talked about NIL a bit, right? So now players can get paid and it's legal and, and you don't have to pay a penalty, right? Charlie, what I think is being lost in this whole thing is how important education is. And, and the reason I say that is, and I get, get a little burnt underneath with this one. And I've seen it happen. So a lot of our, the majority of the players out there on the floor are young black dudes, right? And so even in light of the NIL, let's say, that, let's say a couple of the kids can even over their four-year career make $100,000, $150,000, right? And, and, and yet they don't get an opportunity to have a degree. So they're leaving college maybe with $150,000 in their pocket. Then what? <laughs> right? And so when we were going to school, Charlie, the one thing that all four, I ended up narrowing down my school. I didn't want to go through the craziness of the recruiting process. So I narrowed down my four schools early. It was uh, UCLA in the West, Syracuse in the East, Notre Dame and Illinois in the Midwest. And all of those coaches were like, they talked about the importance of your four-year education, that even if you blew your knee out while you were there or you blew your knee out, uh, if you were fortunate to be able to play at the next level, you had something to fall back on. I, I think these quick firings, uh, the, 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 the concept of coaches who run clean programs, who are, who are graduating their kids with meaningful degrees, that's all out the window now. It, it, you win, you either win and, and, and stay employed or you lose and we're getting rid of you. And what's interesting about it, Charlie, is when the money wasn't as great back when, the, there wasn't a tendency to do that. But now if a, if a coach is losing or the fan base just doesn't like that coach, now all of a sudden you can go to big money boosters who can find the money to be able to pay <laughs> whatever, whatever that, 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 so whatever the amount of money is that's owed to the coach, the departing coach, now it's, it's, an, it's, it's, it's a non-issue now. And I think that's problematic uh, uh, go, going forward. And I think it continues to feed that, you know, I got to take care of me and mine because if, if for whatever reason, one year I fail to be able to win and get us to where we need to go, they might fire me midway. And so I just yeah. think it continues to breed this whole mistrust that's that that exists between uh, we'll call it athletics on one side, the coaches. And I think that filters down to the kids also. So this coach has made a commitment to these kids to try to graduate them, to try to put them in situations where they can better their life after college. And then you fire this dude halfway through the season. I, I just think it, it, it continue. There was mistrust there anyway, but I think it continues to breed that. And I think it does filter down to the kids because now it becomes, it really becomes me five me. And so we wonder while we look out there on the floor and we see that maybe a dude's not sharing the ball. I, I think it starts at the top. Well, um, the analogy that I was talking to, you know, cause I've been mentoring a lot of high school kids for over the last 10 years. And the analogy that I've, I'm starting to see evolve out of the transfer portal and the NIL is that now coaches are no longer farmers. They're more like shoppers. Cause Correct. If, if I'm in trouble, I'm yep. not going to go try to grow no player. I'm going to go get what I need. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So that's where we are right now. It's weird. It's a weird, weird situation that we're in. But I'm not going to let you off the hook, though. Okay. You just said one of your choices was Illinois. Mm-hmm. Did I hear you that correct? So that's my you state saying, school, though. That's my state school. Well, I'm just saying, so that, So we almost had Nick Anderson, Kenny Battle, and LaFonso Ellis all on the same squad. <laughs> yeah, y'all had a chip. <laughs> that would have been nice, man. What? What did Notre Dame tell you to Because that would have been a nice squad, bro. It would. It would have been a nice squad, man. But uh, and and I didn't think this way then. I understand it a bit more now. Uh, Notre Dame, even at that time, was a global brand, right? And uh, they had a guy who was their assistant coach named John Shoemate, who had played in the league uh, for seven. He was a all-American college 
and then played in the league for seven years, would have played longer than that if he wouldn't have had blood clots, right? And uh, he played my position, and I felt he could teach me how to play my position well because even though uh, the idea of being a pro was that, – that was like dream world uh, uh, for me, I, I think he would have been able to help make it tangible because he, he, he understood uh, how low you needed to be on your base and for somebody like me who had a little bit more foot speed, how I could be able to get by my guy and finish. Uh, there were so many positives. And uh, East St. Louis, Illinois, where I'm from, uh, at one point had 100,000 people in it. But by the time I was in high school, it's probably more 45 to 50. And I think that small town, uh, Notre Dame at the time, I think we had uh, seven, 8,000 undergraduates and 3,000 graduates. So it's only 11,000. That small community was important to me because I do think uh, the distractions in the larger university, I, I don't think I was mature enough to be able to handle that. Speaking of small communities, I know you know it's my shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my, my alma mater swept the above person above me. You don't have to do mater. that. That was unnecessary. <laughs> but my boys, I mean, they've they, they won 14 straight, they're number yep. 21 in the country. I mean, what's your impressions of Murray State? First of all, they, they just get after it on the defensive end and they can do it in multiple ways. So they're not only in and up underneath you on the defensive end, they can trap you at any time. So that they, they have an advantage there because they always have you guessing on the offensive end. Uh, I, I love the pace that they play with. They can shoot it. And you talk about multiple guys that can beat you off the bounce and make plays that those three elements is what makes them so dangerous. And that, that, that uh, I've said it this way, I would not want to see Murray State in the first weekend of NCAA tournament. Sure. I mean, you have an experienced guard in Tevin Brown and KJ Williams who scored from anywhere on the floor. I mean, yep. they're a fun team to watch. They are. Well, well since we're there, I, I uh, do have uh, a record out in a couple of weeks. Huh? What is it, Charlie? Lord. Yes, sir. You're talking about me and my college allegiances. I know, I know, I know, I know. This guy's really, this guy's really on one today. This Kendrick Haskins guy. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and he got the shirt on too. He knows that guy one of his uh, fi his figures shirts. Black History Month. I usually have on some kind of crazy T-shirt, Fonzo, but. I got an ESPN analyst on here. I got to rep my boys. Come I like on. it. I like Fair it. Enough. Your boys Fair are doing great. <laughs> well, since we're here, I got to ask. I got my pencil. Uh, is there anybody else I need to be looking at? Because I'm trying to win my brackets this year. I've not done well these last couple of years. So I got to get my I got to get my mojo back. So who should I be looking out for? Well, there's like seven or eight teams that this year that, has a, that have a legit chance to win it. Uh, over the last two years, including the COVID year, Gonzaga and Baylor were like head and shoulders above everyone. We, we don't have that. We, we don't have that team that I can say, no, is this, this, this team right here, they're going to win it. I thought Baylor, I thought Baylor would have won it two years ago. Just, just they, they, you talk about all of the elements, right? Uh, they were top 10 uh, most efficient defenses in the country for the last three years. Um, they shot over 40% from the three-point line. Three dudes, not not that just one or two. They had three dudes in the starting lineup: Davion Mitchell, Butler, Teague, who could all, who all shot thirty-eight percent or better from the three-point line. And then just when you close out long on them, they could all shake you, get by you, make a play, or finish with either hand with floaters high off the glass. Yeah, uh, and, and then turn around and get on the defensive end. And, and, and shut you down. Davion Mitchell's nickname was Off Night. <laughs> right. Off Night. Yeah. I like that. If you're, Whoever if you're, he's you're, going, and, and he night. demonstrated it. If you were your team's best player and you were either the point guard or the two guard and you're yeah. averaging 20, you might get 10 that night. That dude's a freaking guard. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so that, and, and so that made that team special. We, we don't have that group, we, we don't have a team like that this year. But uh, Gonzaga is really good. And I would argue that they're equally as good as last year, even though they lost Jalen Suggs. Um, and and uh, what, what makes them different this year is Chet Holmgren. Think about Davion Mitchell and how he exposed them uh, in the NCAA championship game. Uh, he, if they didn't have anything in their continuity of their offense, he'd just pull it out 
and either be on the middle of the floor or just slightly left of the floor. And whoever's guarding him, he was by them to the rim. And they had no rim protection last year. Chet Holmgren, the super freshman, we call him the unicorn because there's nobody like him. Uh, Chet Holmgren is blocking about three shots a game. So now if they run into a team that has a guy like that who can just get to the rack anytime he wants to, and all of a sudden he's got to think about that, that seven-footer that's coming over that's got a seven-five, seven-seven wingspan that's coming over to block shots. They shoot it equally as well. Drew Timmy, uh, in my mind, has the best footwork in all the college basketball. Uh, they have shooters all over the floor. Uh, but, but still, even as I say that, uh, Purdue not, is not as good defensively. But Jay, I don't know if you guys have seen Jaden Ivey play. Yeah, he's he's, he's from South oh, yeah. Bend here. Jaden Ivey is a monster and has played yeah. himself into probably being a top five uh, lottery pick yeah, yeah. in this draft. They have Travion. They have two kind of a two headed monster, if you will, with uh, Travion Williams, 6'10", 250 coming off the bench. Um, excellent post player, great passer. And then, so so just when you think you're kind of over him, now you got to deal with seven foot four Zach Eady, who, when he's out there on the floor, actually looks like he's playing Nerf hoop basketball <laughs> with people when he gets it right. And and they have, let's see, I want to make sure I'm right on that. They have six to seven dudes in the rotation who all shoot 40 percent or better uh, from the three point line. So if you help on those two bigs, they're spraying that thing out with shooters everywhere, right? They're, they're struck so so they're one of the most efficient offenses in the country their problem has been on the defensive end their defensive efficiency is somewhere up around 100 uh auburn's good uh jabari smith uh, another guy that's going to be well he's he's played so well that he's played his his way into contention to be possibly the number one pick <laughs> with uh Paolo bancaro and chet holmgren and so uh purdue uh gonzaga purdue auburn Duke, and there's it, it's early right now, and so the my brain's not fully locked in. Kentucky, and it, Kentucky is another one, is is one of those seven that I was referring to, who all have a, a legitimate chance to win the national title because uh, Baylor would probably be on the back end of that. Uh, the the problem is now uh, Jonathan Chamochachua is now injured and out for the rest of the season. That hurts their depth. Uh, so. That's that's six of the seven teams, and probably there's two more out there. Uh, I know they lost last night, but Illinois, uh, could, L- Illinois with their firepower and Kofi Coburn inside would have a chance. Uh, so there, there's seven to eight teams out there that have a legitimate chance to win it this year. One of the questions came in off the chat. It said, why Kentucky? <laughs> <laughs> you got the possible player of the year in the middle who's getting yeah. 15 rebounds a game. <laughs> yeah, Oscar is a monster. And he's really improved on the offensive end, too, that making himself a guy that you can actually throw it into. And he can make it – you know, he's not a guy that you're going to th- throw it into 15, 17 times a night. But a guy that you can throw it into, he's got his little hook shot over his left shoulder – uh, he's developing a little 15-foot jump shot. And to your point, he just rebounds the basketball at a, at a high clip, leads the nation in rebounding. And then uh, Xavier Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington. So now you put either, you put those guys on either side of the floor, and as you reverse the ball, just when you think you're getting a break, both of those guys are breakdown guys that can get to the rim. And uh, and, and, and they have shooters. I, I think what makes them dangerous has been the emergence of Keon Brooks, uh, at the four spot, because I thought that was the place where they they were the softest. And uh, over four game, over three to four game span, I think Keon was averaging about 19 points a game. So now you have five guys on the floor that you have to guard. Not 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 a lot of teams have that. You 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 may have three, but you can kind of take a break defensively <laughs> on okay. the other two. And 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 they, if you take a bad shot or you turn it over, they explode on you in transition. If I'm remembering correctly, I think there's. I think they're averaging over 20 transition points a game, which is second to only Gonzaga. And so Kentucky's just got all of the pieces. But the thing with them, because, you know, we cover them too, is that they're an injury away from going out in the second round. It's a great point. That's the problem. It's a great point. Ty Ty Washington's ankle, because we all know where he's at right now. That's true. And then – you know, Jacob Toppin has been injured at some point. Yeah. Severe Wheeler has been injured in a couple of games. Mm-hmm. A lot of the games they lost, they lost because one of them got hurt. I mean, That's exactly right. Hurt in the Agreed. So, mm-hmm. but, and y'all, and also we forgot about Kellen Grady. I mean, that guy can shoot from anywhere. Anywhere. <laughs> yeah. So they they have all the pieces, but they said they are one injury away from losing to anybody. 
It's a great point. And 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 I would even add there there two files, two quick files on Oscar Shibwe away from also because uh, they, yeah. they, they're, they're dip because of who he is, what he does and how fast he runs the floor. Uh, when he goes to the bench, this is different. Yeah. This, this, yeah, this is very different. That would be my strategy is to immediately attack him starting the game and get Agreed. him out quickly. Yep. <laughs> but we do have a coach on our on our podcast that that we go to he's for a these championship types of things. Coach now. now he's a championship coach. So um coach, you what what are your thoughts on all of this? Who 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 you who you got so going forward? Well, I wanted to ask uh Fonz about like the team that could win the championship that could withstand an injury because, you know, when we start looking at it, you build your team. I know as a coach, you build your team around depth when you start looking at championship runs and those types of things. And, you know, which team out of that, those seven or, or the top five, I should say, you know, could withstand a, a injury to a player, a rotational guy, mm -hmm. uh, and still, you know, not lose a beat because of their depth. Yeah, it, 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 when you say that, when you say that that way, Charlie, then it, it kind of narrows the field a little bit in that Gonzaga could. So if, if even as great as Drew Timmy is, because of uh, now, now you can move Chet Holmgren to the, to the center spot and uh, bring Nate Watson off the bench. And uh, Nate has played really, really well this year for them off the bench. And, uh, and, and, and chunk minutes. Uh, Gonzaga would be one. I think Purdue, uh, if one of their bigs was injured, again, we talked about uh, how different they are because, for example, Illinois, Kofi Coburn goes out against a really good team. They have no shot. They're, they're, right. they're, they're done. Um, but Purdue, if either Travion Williams would get hurt or Zach Eady would get hurt, all that means is so, – so those dudes, between the two of them, they're averaging – somewhere 12 to 14 points a game. And Charlie, many people will look at that and go, well, it's only 12, 12 to 14 points a game. But those dudes are getting 12 to 14, uh, 12 to 14 points a game in only 20 minutes, right? right? <laughs> and so now all that means is that person would go from 20 minutes to uh, 30, 35 minutes. And, and, and they would be, so I think those two teams could absorb uh, a loss of one of their key players and, 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 and still be okay. And, he, and even with Purdue, uh, with Jaden Ivey, if Jaden Ivey were, were to get injured, it, it would take away their transition game and, and, and it would take away when everything breaks down and you only have seven seconds and you need somebody to go make a play. Uh, they, they wouldn't have that guy, but they have so many shooters out there on the floor and you still have to decide uh, how you're going to handle their bigs on the inside. Uh, whether you're going to double or let them play one-on-one. -on -one. And if you double, now the three balls going up right away. Mm -hmm. So I think those t those two teams, let's see, we talked about Duke, we talked about Kentucky, Illinois. Those two teams are two teams that could uh, sustain an injury and, and, and not necessarily not miss a beat because it would impact them. But I think those two teams are, are better situated in terms of their depth to be able to absorb a big loss on the personnel side. Where, where are you guys headed this weekend, uh, Lafonso? We're at Arizona. Arizona. Okay. And that Arizona's one of those eight teams we were talking about along with UCLA. Okay. All right. All right. Yep. I, I, I'm, I didn't have time. I apologize. Arizona's playing. Who are they playing this weekend? Oh, Oregon. Oregon. Okay. Uh, another one of those teams like some of our ACC teams who had high expectations coming in, didn't yeah. play well early. But then uh, coach made a couple changes on how they were going to do offense and uh, running a little bit of ball screen, but kind of more spread out and running yeah. a lot of, uh, of of ball screen continuity, which has been really good for them. They went on a five game win streak and beat UCLA and beat USC. Now, if they if they can beat Arizona uh, at Arizona, they'll place themselves firmly on the bubble. Wow, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Five games now we're right there. On the hey, there are a lot of ACC. There are a lot of ACC teams that we can think of that would love to be firmly on the bubble. Oh, right listen, now. Thank you. you're one thousand percent correct. Thousand percent correct. Uh, I I have thoroughly enjoyed myself. It is all always awesome when you think somebody's a great guy. And you're like, man, I would. I bet he's a great guy. I, I've uh, uh, I would love to 
sit and chat with him, and, and he's probably a great interview in the whole nine. And then you meet expect exceed expectations, in my opinion. So I, I appreciate having the opportunity to hang out with you this morning. No, praise God, man. Thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. A lot of fun. Hey, Fonz, we need to get uh, see if we can get Jay Will on here, man. <laughs> you think it, that's that possible? Uh, it, it, it's possible for sure. I know, I know he's big time. We, we yeah, got he, big time. I know he's big time. But uh, yeah, like, I like I like a lot like of stuff that he's doing. Start telling our guests to bring. <laughs> yeah, he, he's doing. <laughs> yeah, he's doing so much. He, he's doing so many different things, man. Like, like, if, we, if we could just get him to sit still for a little bit. He'd, he'd be a great interview because yeah, to your point, Charlie. Right now, first day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was say, we we may have to do a, a, a off day of uh, <laughs> our oh, regular recording. Yeah, yes, to get him yeah that Jay, dude is doing everything. He's the renaissance. Really is. He really is. Really is. Kevin Hart. He's the Kevin Hart of um, TV or sports. That's a good call. That's a good call, Charlie. That's a good call. <laughs> you, see that, you see that dude everywhere. He, everywhere. <laughs> Hilarious. Listen, thank you so much, man. And I look forward to, to watching this weekend to see exactly how you jam up Jay Billis on those rap legs. I'm looking right. forward to it. <laughs> right. We're going to watch it. I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I am all in. I got to see it. I got to see it happen. All right. Hey, exactly. up this sleeve, though. Yeah, yeah, no, that's oh, true. yeah, for sure. For sure. That's true. Uh, Devonza, you got any shout-outs you want to give? We do shout-outs at this time of the show. So if you got any shout-outs, we'd love to hear them. Oh man, you mean to to people or whoever you want, man? That's it. That's it. Uh, we don't tell people how to shout somebody out. Oh, uh, good. I'm I'm gonna give a shout out to my to my wife first, who watches all the stuff that I do. There I'm gonna go. give a shout out to uh, my mom, who also watches. I'm always surprised. She's like, she'll shoot me a text like. Uh, Maybe when, I'm in, when I'm in studio, <laughs> she, uh, say something like Florida, Florida, Florida State showed great athleticism. I didn't necessarily like that last play that they did, so that, that's hilarious. <laughs> and I'd be remiss if I didn't shout out Jesus Christ who saved my soul. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. I love it. Oh, man. A man of God who loves the Lord. I like it. 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 Well, I want to shout out this week is to Coach Ward. For when, you know, out here winning titles now. I mean, what's up? Just your chance. I love it, bro. Congratulations, Congratulations. man. Congratulations. Oh, thanks. We just yeah. need to win tonight. <laughs> that's, that's, that is focus coach talk right there. Uh, um, we, we won the district championship, which was great, one of our goals. But tonight starts the, as I call it, game seven. I mean, every game's a game seven. You, you win or go home or you win and move on. And um, so we're in that – stage now so i uh, appreciate the shout out but that was last week unfortunately See, this is why we can't shout, shout out charlie he does you can't shout out charlie it's possible, right? i'm just saying man i appreciate it but we gotta win tonight doesn't change my shout out charlie ward so you just gotta take this one okay all right hey <laughs> Because I was going to shout out, I was going to shout out my team as well for winning the district, and yeah, uh, we've had actually had two good practices. Uh, also, shout out uh, Cam Akers and Jalen Ramsey. Seminoles winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> that that's weekly, Lafonso. That's weekly. A Seminole <laughs> is going to get a shout out on this show every week. I love it. And and for the Lady Seminoles softball team. Uh, I think they've started out. I know they started out four zero, um, and they're winning ways. So I'm I'm, I'm grateful for them. Uh, the Lady Seminole basketball team they won the other night against Syracuse, and the, the men they 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 end up they ended their losing streak. I'm just saying we got to take the, the small victories when we can. <laughs> You know how you say Coach Bray is the same all the time? All the time. This is our guy. All the time. I've known him for years now. I Did you guys ever go head to head? Uh in in the league, yes, but not that we didn't go obviously play different positions. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. All right. I'm sure that was fun to watch. Yes. And back then there was there was no switching, so we didn't get a chance to play against one another like That's that. Right. That's right. No switching, right? No switching. 
Yeah. <laughs> Hands and over, hug up and under. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Kids, who you got this week? Well, I'm wearing my shout out. So, I, I, <laughs> I, and that's my fault. I should have known because my, my Morehead State, we've been battling. We've had a good year, but you know, it, I knew Murray State was going to be a challenge, and that's why I didn't even bother to wear the shirt. There you go. <laughs> Races are undefeated in OVC play. Uh, <laughs> Last year in the OVC. Where y'all going? They're going to the, um, where are they going? To the Missouri Valley? Everybody's changing. I can't keep up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. That's true. So is, that, is that a step up? <laughs> it, it is. It, it is, Charlie. The, the resources that are, are available in the Missouri Valley Conference are, are very sneaky. I mean, if you no matter where you go, whether it's Indiana State or uh, Missouri State, uh, the facilities, the investment in the facilities uh, on both sides, both football and basketball, would surprise you. Yeah. Really surprise you because they, they really are a true mid-major conference in terms of the resources that they both have and that they allocate to men's basketball and, and, to, uh, and to football. Man, the OVC has been nice for Murray and been great for Murray. Murray's pretty much owned the OVC for about 20 years, but maybe even longer than that because, I mean, they was owning it. Really? This is what we're doing? Belmont. <coughs> this is what we're doing? We got company, man. Belmont. <coughs> <laughs> Thank you, LeVon, though. <laughs> yeah. hey, you, know, you know, John Morant, you know, one of the oh, my most exciting players in the NBA right now. <laughs> True. So, there you go. There's my shout out. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you again, Lafonso, man. We appreciate you. Uh, my pleasure. Well, my last question for Fonz. Fonz, how's Walt doing? Walt's doing Does, well. He, uh, uh, he, a little bit about your son. Uh, you yeah. Know, he got a couple kids, but yeah. Walt's the last one. And yeah. he's the one that's in, still in college. So. Yeah, he's doing well, Charlie. He graduated in three years uh, from Bucknell. Uh, got his degree in psychology and uh, two minors in religious studies and uh, economics. And so wow. he graduate transferred to Grand Canyon down there playing for Bryce Drew with two years of eligibility left. His natural senior year, plus the COVID year that they gave him. And yeah. uh, he's working on his master's right now in business. And he, he, he loves Phoenix. Uh, our brother, Monty Williams, and his family have been great to him. Uh, we have some people on campus that 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 he knows really well, and uh, he, he absolutely loves it down there. He had a, a health issue early on, so he missed about a month, and so he's been fighting to try to fight his way back up the food chain, so to speak, uh, for, for minutes. But uh, he he loves the basketball program. He uh, he loves the education that he's getting in Phoenix, and we talk about investment. Uh, Grand Canyon. Uh, when when people think of online. Uh, universities, people think of uh, University of Phoenix, but the reality is Grand Canyon was actually, they kind of initiated all that. Yeah. So they have 90,000 online students. And so the university is flush with cash. And, that and they, is beautiful too. Is, yes, it oh, is. Yeah, it's real yes, nice. it is. Yeah. And they have yeah. one of the best fan bases in the I'm not saying that because my son's there, but you can actually watch the games and see it. But uh, they, they, they're committed to trying to become the uh, Gonzaga, if you will, of the Southwest. So uh, from from every way, spiritually, he's doing great. Academically, he's crushing it. He, he loves the city, loves his team and his coaches. And so he's doing really well. Thanks for asking. So do you do you back up some um, home cooking to take to Arizona since you're going down there this weekend to, to give the <laughs> with some Ziploc bags? <laughs> like his favorite pie or something? Yeah. <laughs> My sugar keeps keeps in stock. She sends him stuff all the time, so he, I think he's good. <laughs> oh yeah, Mama gonna keep him keep him good now. You know it. <laughs> I mean, Charlie was sending him some vegan pork chops or something. Don't don't do that. Don't, don't. <laughs> <laughs> be a growing boy. Can we do that? Can we do yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, again, thank you, Lavazo man. My it's pleasure, gentlemen. Time. My pleasure. Time. Uh, for everybody else, that's our high, the only Heisman Trophy winner that we have until the paperwork clears. And our Hall of Famer, Kendrick Haskins, I'm Lloyd Spence. This is Believe in the ACC. We will see you guys next week. Do it all over again. God bless you.
You've been listening to Believe in the ACC with Charlie Ward, Lloyd Spence, and Kendrick Haskins. Please like, follow, subscribe, and share from the Noisemakers page on Facebook and on YouTube. And you can also listen to us on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, and wherever podcasts can be heard. And join us next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.